Blog Talk Radio. I stroll through the pictures What I've left behind You once again I'm locked up in memories They all intertwine The memories in In my mind I know tomorrow Cause that dawn will come You will never know what you've done Hello, hello. Good evening, everybody. I thought that Dr. Nancy was on with us. But my name is Kim, and I am either co-hosting or hosting, and it doesn't matter because I am here this evening, and I'm so excited to introduce you to our guests here in a little bit. So, but first, of course, on behalf of NASCA, um, we have a single purpose here, and that is to address issues that are related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas and neglect, and we do so with two goals. One, by educating the public, especially as related to helping society get over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, also known as CSA, presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone, and two, by offering hope and healing through numerous paths and providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. And we are on scan number 3101 this evening. And our special guest that I'm just honored to introduce is Cambry Harris. And she is from North Carolina. She is a survivor of childhood sexual abuse and domestic violence. And she's the author of Awakening the Light, a survivor's to thrivers guide go or <laughs> a survivors to thrivers going forward story. Her goal includes guiding survivors of abuse and trauma to find strength and freedom by examining limiting limiting beliefs and claiming a going-forward story that leads to a wholehearted, meaningful life. She says she was a woman trapped in the image of having it all together. I can really relate to that as well. With a successful career, beautiful daughter, and seemingly happy marriage. Then a panic attack became her wake-up call that her life was not perfect. Years of peeling back the painful layers revealed what she had suppressed for decades, that she was the victim of child sexual abuse. She goes on that her family allowed her abuser ample access 
starting when she was just five years old. The sense of not being seen during these violations led to a deep sense of unworthiness. And years were spent understanding and accepting the impact that abuse had on her life choices and the beliefs about herself, including marrying two abusers. I'm sorry, that's so, so common, too, unfortunately, that we believe that. Um, Tambry had 20 years of coaching and eight years of spiritual direction to translate into her work with the Going Forward Survivors to Thrivers organization. So I'm excited to hear more about that as well. That's a, a saying that I use too quite often. And we're just so, so happy to welcome Tambry to NASCA tonight. And like I didn't say all of, I never, I forgot to say our phone number. So let's, um, we would love to have you call in and be a part of our panel. Our guest call-in number is 646-595-2118. And call in, and um, one of us will meet you on the back line and, and let you in. Or you can just listen to it if you feel like just listening. So, Tambri, I am bringing you on now. Welcome to the show. We're so happy to have you here with us. Oh, thank you so much, Kim. I'm honored to be here. We're so glad that you were were able to and just taking time out of your your evening to, you know, we spoke a little bit before the show, so you kind of know how the show goes. And um, we may just kind of pipe in here after 20 to 30 minutes or so and just um, maybe ask questions if that's okay and kind of about the point that you get through um, maybe the first part of your story and, and we'll kind of maybe have some more people on the line as well that would ask questions. So does that sound okay to you? That sounds great. That sounds great. Yeah, um, so this um, is your show. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I do just hope that that my story um, just speaks to the heart of whomever listens because so many times we feel alone and in we just we, we feel like our story is you know the only one that's kind of experienced these types of things and and there's such a common thread amongst many of us and you know as you as you read my my background and my bio I think that a lot of times many of us who have experienced some kind of childhood trauma and abuse it's you're in a an unhealthy system and that's what I found myself in when I was when I was little. Um, I mean, and, and the unhealthy system even started before I was was born. In that, my father's parents were killed suddenly by a drunk driver. So you know, you've got just the loss of two of my grandparents. You know, before I'm even in this world, and and then my parents reeling from that, and then having my mother losing um, her brothers in their thirties and cousins dying and it just there was so much um just trauma and and grief and so all the adults that were around me when I was growing up were just dealing with their own pain and hardship and so you think about this little person who's trying to take in what's what's going on around her and not understanding the absence of of you know, caring individuals and nurturers. And that really led me to feel very invisible 
And I think that's where some of my core unworthiness thoughts began. And what I what I learned, um, I, I took on a couple different roles as a, as a little one. I took on that I needed to be a good girl. So I was going to make everybody's life as easy as possible and, you know, just try and not cause any waves. And then I also um, knew that, you know, I felt like I needed to prove myself and, and prove my worth. And what was valued in my family was education. And so doing really well in school was the way for me to get some some recognition in my family. And so I I had, you know, I had, so I had part of, of that to be a focus for me as I navigated my, my school years, but there was the, the deep sense of unworthiness um, as it pertains to relationships, just it, it was always there. It was always there. And so I went away um, to uh, graduate school and married really my first serious, serious person and was kind of forced into marriage just because of the expectations of the time. And it was, I mean, the abuse started on the honeymoon. And I had had, I had had indications of who he was and how he would treat me, but I explained it away like I had explained things away so many years in my life. And so I, I just, I thought that it would be better when we got married, and it it was not. Um, I made it for six months before my my physical body, oh gosh, gave way, and um, I just physically couldn't exist. And there were, I mean, the, the suicidal thoughts. There was just so much going on, and and what's also really sad is that you know not only was there a lot of mental emotional verbal abuse but there was also sexual abuse and i think that's something that's important to name because many times we we want to keep that silenced as well that that's even a possibility um but it definitely you know is a is a way to control and dominate and so i i escaped that relationship um came back to my hometown and repeated my pattern. I went right back to, I got into a different graduate program and then, you know, was a striver and making the good grades and getting good jobs and being a good girl still. And, you know, just trying to do all the right, the right things. But again, because I hadn't really gotten to the root of some of my, um, insecurities and and sense of unworthiness, I ended up marrying another abuser. And he was not as bad. um, And I thought I could, you know, love him through some of the the ways he was. And with this marriage, I had, um, we had a daughter. And so that then ups the ante on, on the relationship. And, you know, just trying to, now I've created, you know, this generational trauma where I've got brought this little person into an unhealthy family dynamic. Well, when she was five years old, I was working at a local bank, um, and I was in a workshop where I was basically an internal consultant um, and we had this workshop on, on how to do our our coaching and consulting work. And the, the, um, the workshop was on energy. 
And so they had this demonstration where they asked for a volunteer to come forward. And I knew the person. She came forward, and they, they said, okay, put your arm out. And she did, and they pushed on it a little bit. And then they said, okay, now, you know, everybody in the room sent her positive energy. And we did that, and her arm was, like, super strong. I mean, her eyes were just like, wow, she couldn't believe how strong she was. And then they said, okay, now everybody send her negative energy. And that felt just bad in and of itself to me. So I didn't do that. I just sat there. But without them even touching her arm, it fell to her side. And her eyes were just like saucers. And that was when I had my panic attack. And even as I say that right now, I can feel, um, you know, a little bit of restricted breath. My body still remembers that that moment and that time. And basically, I, I mean, I had never had a panic attack before. And so I really was, um, I was, I just wasn't sure what to do. I'm like scanning the room to figure out who was safe. And because it was such a professional environment, you know, I had to stay in my seat that I could barely breathe. So I found the safe person and I pulled her aside at the next break. And the beautiful thing is, is that I just, I started kind of telling her what I was experiencing. And she said, I've experienced something like that before too. And that was such gift um, to, to be believed, to have someone support you. And she, she did encourage me. She said, you know, this is something you're going to need to look into. And so you, you need to go um, do some therapy work and, like okay you know and and the thing is I knew um intuitively because my spot body was speaking so loudly to me in this moment and as I mentioned it had spoken loudly to me in my first marriage by just shutting down I thought okay I need somebody who can help me work on not just what the root causes of this but I also need somebody to work through the the physiology of, of what I'm experiencing so I went to um, someone who, who was in kind of a, a somatic therapist, and we started peeling back the layers. And as I shared at the beginning of my story, you know, there were there were a lot of sad, sad dynamics to work through, and they were really, you know, easy things to go for at the very beginning. And then we kept digging, and I started having the dreams. And I started, the memories started coming out, some in the sessions, and the repressed memories came of that I had been sexually abused as a child. And at first, it was mostly a, a physical knowing. Um, I, I physically knew we had to release some of these, these things in therapy. Um, but at first, I didn't know the who. And I had two very good possibilities, and I still think something happened with the other one, but I became, as I got more clear on the where, um, as the memories came, that that's how I knew ultimately the who. And what was so hard was that, I mean, this was when I was being, I'm sorry, ignored <laughs> when I was little. This was the person that paid attention to me. This is the person who saw me and groomed me and showed me love. And so it was like my whole world, when these memories are coming up, it's like, oh, my gosh, this can't be true. I don't want to believe this. Um, and so I at one point wondered, am I going to make it through? Is my mind going to make it through? So this, this disconnect between, you know, all that, the stories that are told about your childhood and then what you know, what your truth is. 
So um, I think that, you know, and, and this person was very good at silencing me, um, speaking in terms of uh, this person was an elder in the church and, you know, very, very, very well self, I mean, well-known, very esteemed person. And and so there was a lot of sin language given to me um, and shame. And so I think about the the relationships I had, I mean, these, these unhealthy marital relationships, why I was shamed at the very, very beginning of my life around, you know, being sexually violated. And and the interesting thing is that I when I was um experiencing the sexual abuse as a um when I'm in my first marriage, I I knew how to go away in my mind. And I didn't put it together at the time. And then as I'm going through my therapy, I'm like, oh, I learned that young. You know, I learned how to kind of protect myself mentally by going away. And I think that's something that I just really, um, part of what I really, my heart really wants to share is, you know, it's hard to do this healing work. um, But if we don't, it it still, it gets stuck within us. And there was a a book that um, I read called The Body Keeps the Score. And it talks about how and, and my therapist even told me, she said, Tamper, your mind may forget, but your body will always remember. And so, again, my body finally screamed out loud that I needed to pay attention to it and, and do the healing work. And so I guess that's one of my big things as I, as I seek to encourage others to do their healing work is to listen to their bodies. And, and in doing that, we can then really become aware of our are um, the thoughts, the negative thoughts that go through our minds that then get us into these unhealthy patterns. And and my mission um, in life now is to just really encourage others to to see those patterns and break out of them because there's so much more to to be lived. Um, so I guess with that, I'll I'll pause and see what kind of questions you might have for me. Oh, it's Yumbrae. <laughs> my my heart is just hurting for that little girl. Mm-hmm. And, and I have so many, you know, some of those I can relate to, too. I'm so sorry mm-hmm. to have to go through that. My, um, my, my thought was whenever, <clears throat> excuse me, <laughs> um, whenever, especially somebody is, is violated in the church, it breaks my heart because that was a, a safe place for me. I mean, you know, just a little more. Mm-hmm. It all breaks my heart but because um, that was such a safe place and I was able to get away from my family and um, and felt safer at church. So I'm so sorry that that wasn't a safe place for you. Um, were, your, were your parents at all... Did they ever suspect at all anything? Or you just never... I'm sorry, did my parents ever... Did they suspect anything ever? Oh, oh. Or have you... know, I... Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I think they were so um, checked out 
um, because of their own grief. I mean, I I started having memories of something that happened at the next door neighbors, and I brought forth some of very specific things that that happened next door, and I'm still sharing this with my mother. And I think about how I was my daughter is now 23 so this happened this all this happened years ago this awakening um in my life but i think about you know how i would have been with my little five-year-old um daughter and uh there's no way i wouldn't have known that was happening next door and if i found out that happened mama bear would have just taken over and she didn't um i believe that she too had experienced this just because when my truth came forward and I had to, you know, like I said, I was in my 30s when um, when all this awareness started. And it took me 10 years or something to really work through a lot of this. And so as I'm slowly revealing things to her, she um, she didn't want to know for a while. And then as, as she did allow the information to come forward, she was very uh, distant. And I just think that, and, and and I felt bad. And here I am. I told you, I always try to make everybody, you know, not not um, feel any discomfort. But yeah, I felt happy. bad, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I felt bad even I can you know, in my forties when I'm sharing that. Yeah, you know, it's like, well, I don't want you to feel bad mm-hmm. that you were totally checked out and this happened on your watch. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> But I just think she was always so wounded. But I'm going to do so different, you know. You made a different yeah. choice. Yeah. You made a different well, choice with your kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm breaking that. I'm breaking the generational trauma. That's my, that's yeah. part of my, my heart. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Are you still, are you a part of church in your adult life now? Have you mm. come back? You know, it's interesting. Um, I God has always been really a part of me. I mean, I can remember probably being my little five-year-old self and being outside looking up in the stars and just kind of connecting with God. Um, so even as a child, I still felt very connected and in my in my youth group, um, that was one place that I did feel unconditionally loved. So that was that was gift to me right. because I did not feel safe many places. Um, and then you know over time I have um, increased. I've been in a lot of um, the, like spiritual growth type groups, and my my spirituality has deepened mm-hmm. so that you know God is like with me, not this this person way way out there. Um, and that's what led me to become a spiritual director because I wanted others to have a sense of, you know, God, however they define God, um, a sense of God in their lives to give them that, that hope. And that, I mean, to be honest, that my relationship with God is what got me through my first marriage. Um, I, I literally was uh, driving to go see, a, basically escaping him to drive and go see a girlfriend. And as I was going on these cur- curvy um Rose, you know, the suicidal thoughts were going through my mind and because I didn't feel like I could get out of it. I was married and, you know, divorce is a bad thing. And, and I finally thought, I think God would rather have me divorced than deceased. And that was the point where I'm like, I'm getting out of this. 
you know, I'm not going to, I'm not, you know, this isn't going to be the end. Good for you. Well, I'm so glad that you did. And you're such a strong woman. Thank you. For all that you've gone through. See, though, if Dr. Nancy wanted to pop on here with us. Um, she has been on. Or no. No, she actually she Well, that is somebody else. I just noticed the first couple zip codes I was going to see. Um, let me see. I believe that this is Philip. Is this Philip? Hello. This is Philip. Hi, Philip. <laughs> did you just want to um, listen yeah. or did you have anything that you wanted to do? Well, how are you doing? Pretty good. I'm just listening for a day if that's okay. You want to listen? Absolutely. Yeah. I will put you on hold. Thank you for calling. Thank you. Okay. So it sounds like it's you and I right now. Um, okay. okay. That's good. I, I am, um, you know, like I can just relate to so much and my heart is, you know, breaking for you. Like I said, and all that you've gone through, I just um, couldn't relate. Um, Did you find yourself growing up? I mean, I know you said your first marriage was pretty abusive also, but were there other instances Mm -hmm. in your your life that you felt abused? Was that part of of your story as well as Mm-hmm. With others, I mean, I know you said this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. Um, if you want to share, and again, yeah, no, I know that's I'm I'm pretty open. Um, like I said, I think some things happened next door. Um, I have haven't been able to totally get in touch with that, but I think a lot of times when you experience uh, sexual abuse as a child, it it, it can go one of two ways you can either you know sex is a scary thing you you know relationships are a scary thing and so you keep them at arm's length or you don't have boundaries because your boundaries were violated at such a young age and so you become more promiscuous and that type of thing i was the first i was scared of relationships um you know slowly um, and it was, it was really interesting. I, I never dated anybody at my school. Um, I was always at a, a, a different school just because it was like, I don't know, there was it's being too close to people. I just couldn't get close to people. And um, and interestingly, the, the person that I, my first husband, um, I, I mar- met him in my hometown when I'm away at college. And so even when we were to... Um, you know, when we were dating, we dated for three years, but we really weren't together that much. And so even it's like I created this this distance, um, even even with you know the person that was going to become you know my significant other. And and he was my first. He was the first person. I was 20 years old, and he. Um, but then I had this thing that okay, now we've had sex, and so I have to marry you. Um, 
And so that's what got me married at 22 to, again, someone who was um, very, very dominating. He, everything about him was incredibly dominating. And I I found strength, like I wanted to find strength in him um, versus myself. And so I leaned into his strength, but then he had to have the strength over me. And we had unhealthy um, dynamics because I was, uh, more successful than he was, um, given the program I was in and the money I was earning and all that, and so then the domination came in. And and that's why I feel so strongly, you know, for people who have, you know, these thoughts that they, that, that keep them being less than, you know, I wish I had done, well, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know it was holding me back, but I wished I had done my healing work um, so that I didn't marry into these, because, I mean, you know, divorce, that's another level of shame. It's like I kept layering my life with layers of shame um, until I finally was able to do the healing work and say, you know what, you are, you know, you you deserve unconditional love you deserve to be treated well you deserve and 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 allowing that that little girl within me to to truly believe that and so i'm i'm a big believer in um i think it's called um parts therapy where you look at the different parts of you and and my little girl part needed a whole lot of loving and a whole lot of affirmation um and it took and it actually um after i divorced my second husband and that was um hard to do but it was the right thing um to do he actually had an affair which got gave me an out um but after that was when i and and i was doing my healing work at that time and so you know i really it's it's doing that healing work before you enter the other relationships that's just really um important because my little girl didn't know how to love she didn't know how to have people close to her to be in a trusting relationship to be in a healthy sexual relationship she just she didn't she kept it all at arm's length yeah and we don't realize we just well we don't have the ability to realize all of those consequences and and i know that i feel the same way about my kids that they did get that second hand trauma that um, i so didn't um, you know, that that have it all, mm-hmm. and now I'm seeing it a lot. Now that they're all grown, my youngest is four, and 24. Mm-hmm. And, and okay. And, yeah, I can see all of that, too. I'm, and then I have a 28-year-old who has three kids, and I have a 35-year-old that has three kids. And um, oh, my story wow. is so much, you know, like I said, other than that. <laughs> other, did you have more children, or... Did you just have your one daughter? Yeah, just my one daughter. Just my one daughter. Well, and in part, so I was, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. And she is a, she is a beautiful, powerful person. Um, and, uh, and I think that's part, you know, I think about, you know, we're talking the sexual abuse, but then the, the negligence, um, you know, the, the, I think the lack of, of presence. Of, of adults in your life as a child is another thing. So back to how can we um, overcome that, 
you know, um, in our story and in the story of the, the other young people in our lives that we can help feed into. Yeah. And then um, Dr. Nancy is, is on now. We could bring her on here. And thank you for sharing that. Um, mm-hmm. I really appreciate you being on here. Um, hey, Dr. Nancy, are you there? Yes, hi. Good evening, all. Oh, there you are. I'm sorry. I got are. mixed up with the schedule switches. I'm sorry oh, about that. <laughs> I thought you were on for a little bit, and, and um, that wasn't no. <laughs> But, yeah, we're glad you're here. So I know you haven't really heard much. I, did you have um, a chance to, to read Tambry's bio, and did you have any questions or anything? Uh, well, no, I just got the message and I just got right on, so I'm just um, getting on, you guys. But I'm looking forward to hearing your story, Miss uh, Harris. Yeah. Thank you. She has a beautiful name, doesn't she? Ambry. <laughs> Ambry. Okay, I'm going to put you. <laughs> okay, well, um, so. I love this survivors, thrivers, um, survivors to thrivers. I actually just had a piece that I'm having in a book. It's, it'll be published. It's being published right now um, about my story, and that was part of my title was um, mm. the tenacity of a young girl and then going from survivor to thriver and um mm-hmm. and so you know I just related to that and I love that I love that image more of you know thriving and we're not we're not just surviving we're thriving we're doing what we can to make a difference and um in our in our own way whatever that is so tell us a little bit more about what now you're doing now that um mm-hmm. in healing I know doing some counseling and that. So yeah, let's hear yes. Okay. Um, you know, I think that you know, and I've listened to your, your introduction to your show, you, you talk about, you know, encouraging hoping hope and healing. And that is absolutely where my heart is. And I think so many times we can, you know, I believe people can move from, from victim to survivor and, and do the look back work and get your head around, okay, this is what happened, and you, and you can heal some of those old wounds, but we can still get stuck in survivor mode. And I was in survivor mode for years and years and years. And survivor mode looked like, you know, again, being an overachiever, being a striver, trying to make everybody happy, putting my needs second and, and accepting bad behavior. And we can we can live like that. I mean we can I mean there are people who, you know, that that ends up being their whole life. And I just I, I want everyone to know it doesn't have to be that way. And so you know, my my hope is to give others hope through my story and that, you know, again, I was one that lived unconsciously for so many years because I had suppressed those memories and yet I was living out of the woundedness 
all those years. And so then as I began to better understand what happened and surface and and get behind some of the I mean, you know, there's there's anger, there's disappointment, there's there's just so many different pieces. And and so that's the healing. And it was interesting when I started doing Oh, some of this work and, and my memories were coming and I was trying to put pieces together. Um, I asked a cousin about some things and trying to get him to help me put, you know, just put more context. And, and he said, Tambry, just let the past be the past. And mm-hmm. I, I sat with that for a little bit. Um, but you know what? That gets back to, the body keeps the score. And if you don't do your healing work, your body is going to be, it's going to store up that pain and that trauma. And so until you begin to do the healing and releasing it, then then that can free you up to this, what I call your, your next chapter. I mean, we have the other chapters of our life, but we can claim this new going forward chapter. And so, you know, in my book, it's the survivor to thriver story for me, but it's also a workbook to be help others move from just surviving to thriving in their lives. And so I, I try and share my story so people don't feel so alone and and I can give examples of how I, I look at these things and unpack them, but then also giving people the opportunity to do the same and, and encourage them to do the same instead of just um you know, again, living, just, just existing, I, you know, instead of just staying in, in a life of existing. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I've read, well, actually, I've listened to <laughs> The Body Heaps before. I have to listen on tape, but, or, yeah. Oh, okay. So, um, so I love that. Yeah, I love that book, too. And I have done a lot of work, too, just for six years. And, um just have recently left my husband of 30. I think mean, we've been together. We were together for 35 years. Um, and so I am in the midst of of that. I needed to hear everything that you're saying tonight. <laughs> I, I just mm. think, you know, thank you for yeah. being here for saying the things you're saying because it really has been touching to me. And at times I'm getting a little choked up, but... Um, mm. So yeah, I'm gonna have to keep in touch with you for sure. <laughs> oh, so please many, do. So many things, but I love you. <laughs> I love to keep in touch. Yeah. But, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm right in please. the midst of that. I, like I said, three grandchildren and six grandchildren, and um, they are really struggling because I didn't tell my children anything about mm. my abuse. They kind of mm. knew that I didn't have the best childhood. You know, but I never talked mm-hmm. about it as they were growing up because I didn't want that on them. I didn't feel that was their burden to carry, um, not realizing that I was already burdening them, you know, with other the way that I was. <laughs> Just the way I was. Right. Well, yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah. Well, the coping yeah. that you, we, we learned coping mechanisms. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's interesting, Kim. I, um, I started being asked to speak um, on this topic, and when when I was contemplating that, I thought, you know, okay, when I start putting my story out, who will it affect? And the two people that came up were 
my daughter and my mom. And my daughter was 18 at the time, and she had no knowledge of this. And so I sat her down and um, and had the conversation with her. And uh, and she actually, like I told you, she's a very strong, powerful spirit. And um, she was she was hurt. She was hurt that her mama had to experience that. But what surprised me was her upset with my parents. Um, and so that was a whole other thing I had to navigate. Um, she wouldn't speak to them for a few months because she was so mad at them. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's complex. Yeah. It's very complex. But, you know, yeah. if we don't um, stop the silence around this, then the healing won't happen. And the um, and other people who are sitting there, you know, feeling like, can I say what, you know, can I share? <sighs> well, and, and I will tell you the other in- – Interesting thing. I don't know if it's interesting. Um, sad thing is that my person, my violator, um, was sexually abused himself. And so mm-hmm. it's back to you've got to stop the silence because if someone, had, if he had spoken out, if he had done his healing work, if the generation he was two generations above me, if the generation that he affected before me had spoken up and done something, and so now you know here we are putting our voices out there to encourage people to do their healing work and not feel shame um, around speaking their truth. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, um, my, my stepdad, who is still in our lives, was one of my abusers, and um, mm. that has been huge for them, and for, you know, because I think they don't – well, for one, they didn't want to – talked about it with well my girls which has really surprised me because my two oldest my girls um really have never wanted to know anything but I'm finding out that they've learned quite a bit actually without me knowing and I wish that they Mm. would have come to me so I think there's this a little bit of this anger that I didn't tell them Mm. and Mm -hmm. um my my dad is so elderly now he's you know, he and he's not even coming around family anymore because he has. But I, I struggled with that for a long time too. I felt that it was the right time. I mean, I, I firmly believe, you know, that God kind of led me to this arena. And um, NASCA was one of the first you know, platforms that I told my story as well. And I knew, you know, that it would be hard. And I did some things to um, to actually try and protect him still, which I can mm-hmm. see now. I didn't even see that at the time. But, um, you know, as far as I just opened up a new Facebook page and, and when I write about him, you know, I don't put anything on my family and friend Facebook page about anything that I'm doing. And so if you want to know what I'm doing, yeah. come over to this other page and and I had to block my dad because I, at one point, he was on there to do it. I was like, I have to, I'm sorry, I've got to spell. What mm-hmm. I went through it was my mom was so, um, who was abused as well. Both, both my parents that raised me were abused um, as well. And I know that. I, and it was family. It's so complex. With, it is. And um, I, at one point in my life, when I decided to tell my mom, I was actually 15 years old. Um, 
what my stepdad had done. He had stopped at that point, and he had adopted us. And it was right around the time that he adopted us that this had happened, and so that was confusing as well for for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't understand that he wanted to be my dad, but then he was doing this. And um, so, so by the mm-hmm. time I told him he had quit, um, and so I don't, I don't know. He had thrown me through a wall because he was speaking out to go see my boyfriend. And so I said, well, I think it's time I tell my mom what happened. You know, of course, I was a very rebellious, <laughs> in-love teenager, too. And um, and he threw me through a wall. And so I, I said, mm. I need to tell her what, what happened back then. And so um, I remember sitting in the bed with her. and I But I remember going away feeling like, she just told me that she was abused as well. I'm not sure what that has to do with me, but mm. she said basically it happened. You know, so those were my thoughts on that situation. And that's all I really remember. And it, of course, I became even more rebellious <laughs> at that point. Mm. But um, mm-hmm. <laughs> because she did choose him, and she did up, you know, up until her death, uh, 19 years ago, she passed away, and um, and so I struggled now, you know, even though there's this conflict of he's elderly and I'm the only one around now to take care of him because my my only brother passed away six years ago. Um, And so now I'm the only one left in our family unit and I feel this um, responsibility, really, to make sure that he is taken Mm -hmm. care of. And I've made that very clear, though, because he has tried and tried over the last 20 years that my mom has been gone almost, that um, to move in with me, and I've made I'm like, no, you are not. Mm. You've made that decision. I am <laughs> I'm trying this boundary. I will make sure that you are okay, mm-hmm. but I, you are not going to ever move in with me. That will not happen because of your choices. It was your choices, not mine. Right. And um, so I'm, I'm getting a lot better about standing up for myself in that way. And um, he has been very supportive in the past as well with what I'm doing. He, he gets, but he does get jealous at times. Now I'm, because I'm, I'm doing a lot of work and I'm traveling as well and I'm not staying down where in the area that I was living in because I'm separated from my husband and which was by him. And, and so he, you know, he, he gets a little bit grumpy with me and I'm just, I, I've got to keep doing what I'm doing. And keep going ahead and keeping myself healthy and, you know, do what I need to do, even though he is still alive, you know. So that was a choice that, that was hard to make to start. And I also have written a couple articles with my story in it, a couple books. And um, I haven't written my own yet. But, <laughs> but I'm really mm. looking forward to, to reading yours as well. Oh, thank um, you. Well, I just, I just, what I hear in what you're saying is valuing yourself, you know, valuing yourself to do what you need to do and to claim what you need to claim. And, you know, again, we, we were not um, number one in our family systems. And, and so we have to, we have to change that. We have to change that dynamic. And, when I when I was listening yeah. to you, I'm still protecting my family. I I I, I I'm yeah. protecting the. I don't say the person because 
there's still people alive that I, I can't, I just can't out them yet. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I'm grateful yeah. that my, um, I'm grateful my person's dead, that I don't have to face off with him. Um, when, when my truth came, he had already passed. And so that was gift to me. Um, cause I don't know mm. that I could have been in the same room with him. So uh, my heart, you, you, your heart went out to me. My heart goes out to you because mm. I can't imagine the, the courage that it must take to to reconcile those different feelings. Um, and also, uh, the other thing I would say, you know, is it's, it's hard when you're when you start doing this healing work and you're not supported by your loved ones. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so finding that community that will support you. Um, I have friends who tell me they think my second husband left because I had gotten too strong. Um, I was no longer the, you know, person that he could manipulate and, you know, abuse and all that kind of stuff. And so, and as hard as it was, it was a horrible time, but um, it brought freedom for me at the end of the day that I had to have my support system and that's, and so I think, you know, this, this, you know, show is a support system and, and that's one of the things we try and do with survivors to thrivers is have, um, we do blogs twice a month. Uh, the first of the month is a content piece with, um, either some, um, thoughts around, uh, healing, um, once a quarter, I have a, a guest thriver, and, that, and maybe that Kim, you and I talk about this offline. Maybe you get to, maybe it would be good for you to be one of my guest thriver voices um, oh, on my I blog. But uh, yeah, wouldn't that be? Um, and then I do, and then the fifteenth of the month, we offer um, healing techniques. Whether sometimes they're more like. Um, like readings and, and journaling, sometimes they're more body-oriented, like maybe meditation, but really trying to encourage people every month to um, heal and grow. And then we have daily posts because, you know, some days we feel like we're, we've got this and then other days we don't. And so trying to do daily posts of encouragement just, I call it the Thriver Tribe, trying to get our Thriver Tribe together and feel strong, um, supporting one another. So, yeah, we've got to build that community yeah. because it's, it's, it can be tough. Absolutely. Absolutely. So where are you um, today? You're, well, I, you know, we could see if anybody has a question. Um, Dr. Dancy, do you have any questions or anything you'd like to say? Yes. Um, so it's definitely been, um, you know, whenever you hear just some of the stories of abuse and then recovery and seeing the person come out on the other side of the abuse and walk in their recovery, I think it's always a very inspiring. It's just very inspiring to people, and it gives people a sense of hope. So I just want to just commend you. Um, Ms. Tambry, for being able to continue walking in your healing. I know it's not easy. I know it's every day. You continue to be better and you continue to work on your healing and 
to uh, continue to get stronger. So there's a lot of work that goes into it. A lot of people don't survive, and they go into um, severe depression, addictions, and or take their life by suicide. And I know that uh, sometimes those waves come and go, but the fact that uh, you continue moving forward and you continue uh, going forward is uh, is really, really, uh, I honor it a lot. So thank you for sharing your story. Mm. I didn't really, I didn't really get a chance to hear how the beginning mm-hmm. of the um, of your story of your interview went. Um, mm-hmm. So I, there's some questions that I would like to ask, but I, I wouldn't want you to be redundant. Um, so if did you guys talk about a little bit about the childhood early years? Yes, I'm, I'm um, a you little did? bit different. Dr. Nancy, in that I suppressed my memories. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was living, I grew up in a family that was um, full of a lot of trauma and a lot mm-hmm. of adults who were dealing with their own grief. And um, mm-hmm. and so they were not present to the kids. And mm-hmm. And we all just found our own path and our own way, and um, very few of us are okay right now. I'll just say that but to your point. Um, and uh, I, but my my path um, I was to be a striver and to earn love and to earn acceptance and to be a good girl and all that kind of stuff. And that worked for me to some degree, but the the part that I I feel I always try and, and share with anybody who's, you know, a survivor is that you can have all these external things that look okay. You look like you're doing okay, but, but if your inside is wounded, um, it you get into these unhealthy behaviors. And so um, my unhealthy behaviors were I, I accepted people who treated me very poorly and, and my relationships I was treated very poorly treated very poorly and um, ended up in two abusive marriages. One that I, to your point about suicide, the, the first one I really did consider. I mean, it wasn't, a, it wasn't like a debate thing. It was a driving down the road, I can't take this anymore kind of thing. Um, so, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. And so then I had a panic attack in my 30s in a work setting, um, which was what, kind of catapulted me into therapy and that's where the layers started getting peeled back and finally the memories surfaced as to the the whys I started having the whys I always knew I had these thoughts of you know I'm I'm bad I'm sinful I'm you know I'm not worthy I had I had stay small don't have a voice around anything but then all of a sudden when I started understanding the whys it's oh because I was silent Oh, these he said these things to me. Um, so just the the dots started getting connected in my thirties. So now, when it comes to, I know you said you've been married twice. What mm-hmm. did you find similar in choosing these the same? Did you choose the same kind of person in the marriage? Like you know, were they it's similar? Very dominating, dominating. Mm-hmm. Both were very dominating. Um, it's almost like I felt powerless, and so I was going to marry someone who was very powerful. And mm-hmm. um, and they both 
you know, would say horrible things about me and my character and, and all these things. And, and I believe they, it was, it was kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, the, they're, they're saying the things that I believe about myself. And, and so they just kept, they kept me in that, that unhealthy thinking space. And so it wasn't until I started doing my healing work and started going, you know what, I'm a pretty neat person. <laughs> I'm not just, you know, I started really claiming who I am and all the all the beauty that was within me. And and that's when my second husband um, ended up having an affair and and basically leaving my daughter and I, um, which was horrible at the time, but an incredible Good. blessing because. He was uh, mm-hmm. it was such a because I I was teaching her to be in an unhealthy relationship, you know. So right. so the happy right. news that I haven't shared is that after doing mm. all these years of healing work, um, I finally chose well, and I found someone who just honors me, who were equal partners, and. Um, I finally know what I finally know what love is. I know what a loving relationship is. I know what, um, yeah, having positive connection with someone looks like. I did. I never knew what that was. You know, and and that's really important for people to hear because recovery is possible, and you yes. are an example of that. You know, a lot of times people go through very traumatic childhood experiences. Um, I know Miss Kim has. I know I have. Uh, you, you go through these really severe childhood traumatic experiences, and a lot of times you get stuck. You know, you, you enter in these cycles, these repetitive abusive cycles. But even though you went through these cycles, you, you're using your testimony to help other people, and you're really doing the work. And I think um, it's important for people to understand that you have to do the work. What type of work did you mm-hmm. do? to get into this role, because it's not easy. I'm telling you. I know. Mm-hmm. We know oh. it's not oh. easy. Okay? <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I, I don't see it lightly, like, okay, great, you're doing, you're walking. Mm. No, just like you said, when your ex-husband, maybe, uh, was, I'm not sure, I think you said the second one left you. It was very traumatic, left you and your daughter. But guess what? Out of that came a, a bigger strength, right? And yeah. you were able to now break that cycle and show your daughter, no, that is not okay behavior. Mm-hmm. Just have you stayed yeah. 20, 30 years and continued in that, then maybe she would be choosing that type of person or maybe she would have witnessed mm-hmm. you get, you know, something bad happened to you. So how, what right. type of work did you do? And I know you talked a little bit about it. I, I read it in your bio, but mm-hmm. what type of work, mm-hmm. self-work did you do you know, to better? Yeah. And And to your point, it is, it, you know, I think we are always a work in progress. Um, yeah. But once for me, um, ooh, part of it was, so as a child, um, and, and one thing I didn't mention, um, Dr. Nancy, that uh, I basically the person took the absence of attention you know, and I had no attention being placed on me and so he came in and groomed me and built trust and you know mm-hmm. preyed upon me um, right. and so your body my body it was not a safe place and, and I right. think I, and I think I basically just learned to live 
in my head and just completely ignore that I have the rest of the you know, entity connected. And so a big portion of my work was reconnecting with my body, reclaiming my body. And to this day, Mm -hmm. yeah, and to this day, breath work is so important to me and and really recognizing. And and I was sharing when I was first talking about my story and and talking about my panic attack, I named the fact, and I did it intentionally because I – I think everybody needs to know how it still happens. I mean, my chest was tight as I was mm-hmm. telling the story about my panic attack. Mm-hmm. And so, yes. you know, it, it's it's very real. And so recognizing that. Um, so the somatic work of, and, and it was interesting because my therapist would ask me, you know, what does your body want to do? And, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm, I, I, I was one that, again, lived in my head and tried to be really smart and tried to be in control. And so she wants me to tell her what my body wants to do, which felt really out of control. Um, what my body wanted to do is my little girl, my part of my memories are being down in the basement and I can't get out and it's cold and dank and I'm on the stool and I can't get off, and then so what, what my body wanted to do, and I'm sitting here in the therapist's office, my feet start running in little girl steps. Mm. My little girl wanted to run away, and my body had to release that action of running away. Um, I've had to, you know, release some of the anger and like um, vocally to to be able to release what I was not able to say. I was silenced for so many years. And so as I say that, back to the chest, I can feel there's there's tightness in my chest. I mean, I'm taking a breath right now. Um, so the somatic piece, the body piece was really important. And then the piece around, you know, just starting to understand and processing the memories and um my my therapist told me that there's a lot of memories that are not as clear as um, there's a lot that won't come and I, I there are some that are related to um, there was some kind of ritual abuse I, I just I, I just I've suppressed it so much I don't have a whole lot of recollection but um, but really trying to process that and then when when things come knowing. Uh, finding resources to continue to talk about it. Um, so, like I said, it was a long, many, many years of, of peeling back layers. Um, another thing that I, I did for my healing work, and I think this is just so important, is to find community. I had a woman of um, Kenneth asked me earlier about, you know, my spirituality um, because the person who who violated me um, was an elder in the church. He had other relationships with me as well, but um, but he was an elder. And so you've got that um, mm-hmm. dynamic. But I never I never put that with God. I never um, mm-hmm. I always felt close to God. But I had a group of women who we kept getting deeper in our um, moving from a head knowledge of God to a spirit knowledge of God. And these women were in my life. We still meet together 20, which is like going on 20 years. Um, and mm-hmm. they were present when my truth started coming out and I couldn't believe my truth. I was like, how could this be real for me? And so having a group of trusted people 
to be able mm-hmm. to be held and believed. Um, that's and and I know part of the mission of this of the show is to really try and um, try and raise awareness, you know, even for people, the supporters. And I think one of the most important things for survivors is to be believed because we can barely believe it ourselves. How could this have happened to us? And so to have this group of women hold me and love me as I'm coming out with all these memories um, was huge. So I would say, so there's a spirit. Yeah, there you go. Mind, body, spirit. (laughs) (laughs) And you said, I nurtured you said all three of them. <laughs> right. And you and you did a great job. I'm going to um I, I just wanted to say one thing. Um you know, I always say feeling is healing. I think it's really important mm. to be able to feel and to acknowledge your feelings. I think it's important to cry. It's okay if you feel angry. It's okay to question. Um sometimes it's okay to question God, you know, cuz a lot of times when mm. when you go through those different phases, God reveals certain things you and uses you in ways that you're like, oh, my God, really? This is why I had to go through that? Or, you know, so much comes out of it. So I think um, just the fact that you said that you don't hold this against God is the people and and their choices, but you keep your relationship with God and your belief system separate from the abuser who abused your trust and abused your body. Um, self-care, finding community, all of that's important, finding a safe place where you can talk, where you can share, and where you guys can support each other. And definitely the mental, you know, I know you mentioned you had coaching and and you had a therapist and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And all of that's important. And and that's work, consistent work. You're so valuable to our healing community. Um, So I don't know if anybody else has any comments and questions. Uh, I know uh, I've been going off for a little bit, so I'll open it up for anyone else who would like to make a comment or if you guys have any questions. But thank you so much again. Mm, thank you. Yeah, Tambri, I was going to say I think earlier, too, that um, I heard one time at a, a conference I was at somebody say that, when you're telling your story over, your trauma story, that, um, of course, your body does so. And that was an aha moment for me, but it was um, it, because I had already been out talking a little bit about my story, but I think I didn't realize um, how my body reacted when I, when I get up to speak, you know, when I go to do speaking engagements. Mm-hmm. Now, I do... Um, Darkness to Light Stewards of Children, which is a curriculum for adults to teach them how to watch out for children and keep them safe and how to talk to children. Mm-hmm. And um, when I go do that, I'm able to just concentrate on that curriculum because that's what they want us to do. That's about the curriculum and teaching other mm-hmm. people. And, and I get, you know, really empowered by doing that. I love that. Um, and I'm not telling my story. And so... Yeah, I really don't tell my story as much, and I still really feel that tension. So I know, yeah, what you're going through, and I just thank you for, for pushing through it and, and talking to us this evening. Well, and I, I appreciated Dr. Nancy drilling down on the what did I do, because um, I think a lot of times people wonder, you know, what can – I, as, you know, the, the survivor who, who wants to heal, what can I 
do. And I, I really do believe that we have to, you know, we are all three things. You know, you can't, you know, separate us out. Our mind, body, and spirit are also interwoven together. And and that's one of the things I actually do all three things in in my book. Um, and I talk about awakening the light because, it's, you know, we have – I think about like this pilot light that's within us and it might be on dim right now, but it's ready to be turned up, you know? And so ways that we can begin to turn that light up and awaken that light within us and, and talking about some, some processing, I ask like processing questions to get people to, to think about what are those limiting beliefs that I'm holding that are keeping me in these unhealthy patterns. But then I also, We'll ask questions about, okay, now check in with your body. Where are you feeling it? You know, that kind of thing. And then I um, do some guided meditation in the book, too, to try and teach people how to slow down and breathe and, and take a moment um, to honor, you know, honor themselves. And so, yeah, I just, um, the, I'm hoping that um, the book could possibly be a tool. I know you all offer tools to to people, um, and I'd be happy to send send one to you, Kim, and, and you, Doctor Nancy. Maybe we can figure out um, how to connect offline. But um, yeah, yeah, I just really want to encourage yeah, people to to do all three all three things to to just fully fully heal. Wow. Now, do you awesome. offer like counseling or something, or mm-hmm. or what do you do? Mm-hmm. Or are you just yeah. yeah. So I'm a um I'm a certified coach. So I've been doing coaching for over 20 years and um and I'm also a certified spiritual director. I've been doing that for over 8 years. My masters is in applied psychology. So I really I've 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 got like this I'm taking the whole of me. So it's I'm taking all those certified and you know, all those certifications and stuff, but also being able to be present in this sacred special space for survivors. And so yes, I and I do um I do have a kind of a, a process that I take people through so that they can begin to move slowly into the healing um and and begin to just examine you know, some of those things that are getting in their way and then ultimately leading to claiming that, that forward story. And I think, um, Dr. Nancy, earlier you said you used going forward and I smiled because that's, I think that that was mm-hmm. important when I was naming the organization because we are, we want to go forward. We don't want to stay in this, this place, this stuck place. Um, and so, you know, helping people. And, and then um, I also have a change management degree and uh, and so this is personal change management and there are things that can be done to help you know once you once you start making this movement and this progress to keep it going forward and keep and and put things in place that help to support that that new state that you've moved into so yes I do um, I do one-on-one coaching around around this work good yeah I am one one of the things oh yeah yeah uh one of the things that i want to say is um you were talking about the importance of trying to break down the limiting beliefs that was good Mm -hmm. because when you're when you go through abuse you start to believe that you don't disturb love that you don't disturb Mm -hmm. respect and then you start to not love yourself 
how do you break? How do you help somebody break down the limiting beliefs? Mm-hmm. Like, what what's some of the things? I know you said that you do make in your workshops, but what would be like a something mm-hmm. that you can leave our listeners with? Mm-hmm. So the first, and actually, you know, I would love to. Um, I've created a a tool that I've, I'm offering. Um, so again, we'll get this offline. We'll have this conversation. And I can provide this to your. Um, to your audience um, for them as well. But so the first thing is to really begin to get at what is, what is my unique limiting belief? You know, we all have now the unworthiness seems to be pretty universal, um, but it's, it's like, and so really beginning to see it for what it is. So if you answer uh, word stems like I must dot, 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 when you think about your childhood, what were those, tapes that were put in your head, I must make everybody else happy. I must make, I must, you know, subvert my own needs. I must, you know, those kind of things. Or another one is you never, you never do this. And and begin, so first of all, the first step is to really begin to articulate what that, what that thing is, better understand where did it come from, and then start moving from, so our core values, our belief systems, then feed our thoughts, then feed our behaviors. And so beginning to say, okay, so if my core belief is I am not worthy, then my thought is I don't deserve to be treated well. And then my actions is I, in my relationships, I accept that behavior. And so beginning to work with someone around what would it look like if you flipped that core belief and said, I am worthy, and begin mm-hmm. sitting in that and breathing that. Okay, so if, if you are worthy, then what thoughts start coming to you? And so, and if this isn't it's kind of like with the therapy, it's not like a switch is, a flip, switch is flipped. What you're doing is you're starting to reprogram those thought patterns, and it takes time. But as you start unteasing them and you you start seeing that, you know, what is the truth? Is the truth that you're unworthy? Really? Or where did that come from? And so really begin to challenge them and begin to Mm -hmm. rework the thought patterns. And so that's the kind of work that we do together. So that's good. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. It's, and it, it takes some time. And sometimes, you know, um, again, it, it, that's that getting in your body so that you get it at a cellular level. It's not just a, a head piece. You really begin to believe it in your spirit and in your body. And that's mm-hmm. where, that's, but that's, what, that's the game changer. Right. Right. And that's so hard and um, scary, you know, for a lot mm-hmm. of people to start it out doing that actually do that work, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Does anybody Uh want to make any comments or ask any questions? Um, Just wanted to open up the mic just in case anyone had a question or a comment for Ms. Tamri. No, No, but I enjoy listening tonight. (laughs) Oh, hi, (laughs) Stella. I enjoyed listening tonight. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much. Okay. We can all resonate um, yeah. a little bit, can't we, Philip, with, with Camry. We can all relate. 
Yeah, and it was good good information. Uh, like you said, all the work to heal yourself. Unfortunately, I'm sorry that you did go through those traumatic experiences, um, and I just want to, again, commend you for being so resilient. Okay, that's mm-hmm. the word of the day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, and that's, that's really what it is, mm-hmm. to be able to continue mm-hmm. to overcome and and still get back up. And even if it hurts and even if you have some bruises, because it's not easy, uh, that you're still able to continue to walk in your purpose to help others. So I just wanted to say that. I was going to say Tim, thank uh, you. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are you going to say? Yeah, mm-hmm. I was going to say my, my um, yeah, there, there's the your pain becomes your purpose and and your passion because you you know it you felt it so deeply and you know what it feels like for others and what's interesting is i it, things just keep opening up one thing i wanted to mention um before y'all close is that you know i've got my book um and i also have a book that um it's a group guide to the book cuz i had um, an AA group who wanted to do the book together as a small group, and I wanted to make sure they had a structured guide to create the sacred space needed. And so I've got a, a companion book that, that goes along with it. But after writing these these books, um, I've been asked to be a part of a couple of other books where other voices are coming, and there's one called Stop the Silence, Thriving After Childhood Sexual Abuse, and it's one that's um, going to be launched in March, and it's an international effort. And so we have authors, um, each have a chapter, and we tell we tell a little about our story, and we share a practice within it. And there's people from Egypt and Australia and England and the U.S. and even within the in U.S., indigenous people and I, I, it's just back to all of us finding our voice and, and having a universal heart to to make a difference. And so I just wanted to, to highlight that that's going to be coming. And um, oh, wow. I would just encourage anybody who wants Absolutely. to um, stay connected. My um, my website is survivors2thrivers.com. And um, my email is tambry at SurvivorSurvivors.com. So would love for anyone to, you know, reach out to me and to learn more about the organization, um, the type of support we provide, and, and some of these upcoming um, books that are being done to just try and encourage others on their healing path. Tambry, okay. I am in that book as well. I'm so excited <gasps> for it. Oh, you started talking about it. I went, I'm in there. Oh, yeah, that's the one that I'm just as well. So that's so exciting. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait to read your story in there. That'll be great. (laughs) And to share your wonders, read your wisdom. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, that's powerful. (laughs) Yeah. That works out. (laughs) Yeah, that's so fun. I... Like I said, I haven't been able to to write my own yet because I've never ever thought of myself as a writer, and um, and I have to push myself to you know to journal and stuff, and I'm really trying mm. to do that a lot more lately, it's just to kind of get my words down on paper and do a, a dump. And um, but I've I felt for years, gosh, it was probably 25 years 
that I knew God would use me in this way, I, you know, in this arena. I just didn't know what that would look like. And, um, and so it was like a very relevant, or rever, um, what do I want to say? Not the word. Um, <laughs> it was very relevant that um, I needed to do this. I, I, I knew that when Darkness to Light, it was, I think I found it on my, like on Facebook or something. I don't even know. I don't remember. But um, I was online somehow. And I'd heard about Darkness to Light. And I said, oh, my gosh, I've got to see what that's all about. And at the time, I was um, also with a, a friend. We were getting ready to to try and do some shows like this as well. We hadn't been on NASCA yet, and um, we hadn't really found them yet. But um, they were one of my first places that I told my story. And um, and when we were going through, you know, try, we were trying to connect because she was a part of my story, and um, and so I knew that. But then I knew that we couldn't really work together like I wanted to. But she's been on her as well. And um, and so it was really like a a God thing. I said, okay, yep, God wants me to do this. And then a church came to me. And now I go to a lot of preschools. I'm I'm really finding that preschools are wanting this information. And um, mm. it's, it's a two-hour program class for adults. And we teach them how to react and respond and um, and then get, you know, how to, to talk to the child, like I said, about how to have good body safety. I mean, that's huge mm-hmm. to let that child know, but also let the child know that you are the one that's responsible to keep them safe because um, I didn't have that, and I also didn't have any kind of body safety um, connection at all when I was, you know, first introduced to, to sex at five years old. And um, mm-hmm. I just went from Minnesota. Yeah, I, I was. I think that God definitely tells you. And if we just listen, He'll He'll tell you exactly what you want to do. And um, that's kind of what I'm fighting a little bit in my my head right now is wanting to continue to do this work and and make this more of like my full time job. You know, because I am mm-hmm. to do a little bit more, and and I'm like, so I I've been fighting it. Like I said, I'm excited about it as well. This new chapter in my life is, is exciting mm-hmm. and hard and scary and overwhelming and exciting too. <laughs> but I can't wait to talk to you more and and just get to know you a little bit more. I have Facebook friended you. And um, oh, great! It's a way on your website as well to get a message. So you know, oh, good, thank you. Register, (laughs) register there. Yeah, I look forward to connecting more. And thank you for your heart and opening up, being vulnerable, and you're part of our family now. So you're welcome anytime. We'd love to have you even come on and it. You know, even when you're not talking, just come on and be a part of our panel. Um, we love to have people that call in and, and help us. It always helps us. I My my head wasn't, my head has been kind of foggy today, but um, I'm glad that I was able to, to be on with you. So thank you. Um, well, thank anything you. Anything else yeah. you want to leave us with? We've got a few more minutes left. And um, mm-hmm. you want to tell us about your... 
your family today. You said that you are now married <laughs> to a wonderful man. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, you know, it's yeah. one of those, um, uh, Dr. Nancy was talking about how, you know, that that is an important part of the story to share that, mm-hmm. you know, you, you do your healing work and you've got to love yourself. You've got to claim yourself. I mean, I think that was part of my problem was I hadn't claimed myself. I had you know, been the shell of a person. And so, and then, so I enter relationships, just that shell. And finally I was able to claim my, my whole self and ended up with someone. Okay. So this is going to be like a 30 second thing that could be 30 minutes, but um, he and I had dated, my husband and I had dated in our twenties and we didn't, um, I ended up, picking my career and just focused on that because I was still in my striver mode. And, and so God put him in my life early on and I just didn't pay attention. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I had to kind of do my healing work to appreciate what a special, incredible person he was. And, and by the time, you know, again, I had kind of gotten through my, my, my work, then we, we came back together. Now he had two boys and I had my daughter. So now we're a, a blended family with grown kids, but um, yeah, I, I finally found some. I finally know what it looks like to be in a loving relationship. So it it is it is available. It is there, but you've got to you've got to love you. You've got to do the you work before that person can can fit into your life. And I just kept connecting with people in my in my brokenness, and that just never never worked. <laughs> So yeah. I just hope, I just want to encourage people <laughs> we, to do their healing work, and um, you, you, it, it's there for you. That next chapter is there for you. And you're yeah. so right. I think a lot said. of. Mhm. What are you gonna say? No, Miss Kim. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm fine. I I can make that. No, I was, I was gonna, gonna say that. Um, <laughs> no, it's okay. I was just going to say that that was good what you said. It's so important to do that healing work because you most of the time you attract where you are. And if you're in a broken yeah. state when you're dating, you're in a toxic you enter into broken, toxic relationships, and you don't realize mm-hmm. that you're broken, you're vulnerable, you're weak-spirited, you're weak-minded, and People, there are people that prey on that. They prey on that. Yes. And uh, and so important to just get your mind right, get your spiritual mind right, get your physical mind right, get your emotional mind right, so that you can see through. You can kind of you you pick up certain characteristics when you're in a healthier state. I just wanted to mm-hmm. agree agree with what you were saying. The importance of making sure that you're in a healthy state when you go into the dating world. Don't try to be yeah. don't be broken trying to find someone to fix you because you're not going to find that. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to find someone who's going to take advantage and create more chaos for you. That's my yeah. story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mine too. <laughs> I think we all can relate to that. <laughs> we all can. Yeah, I was to say the same thing. Yeah, but we do attract broken people and, you know, people, I, I have a habit of, you know, feeling like I can help. So, I, you know, I can help my friends. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm trying to break out of that as well. It's amazing to me. I think we also need that maturity 
and I always love to hear when younger people in their 20s are, are already making these moves that um, I didn't start making while I was in my 50s. So. <laughs> it's encouraging to know that also younger people want to be informed, and that's what I find out a lot, too, when I'm out doing these classes. But yeah. people want to be informed these days. Parents want to know what's going on and how to protect their kids, and that's going to be the key to changing um, you know, especially child sexual abuse. So, from Ms. Harris, uh, so we have a minute and a half. If you could leave some words of hope and encouragement for those who are mm-hmm. looking to walk into their recovery, do you have some words that you can leave with with the listeners? Yes, I was. I was just thinking. I'm, I love that you asked me that. Um, because I was just thinking. I wish I had said. <laughs> um, right. You know, I mentioned earlier that we all have. I believe that survivors kind of it's a universal feeling of unworthiness. We have been violated such a young age and, and perhaps not seen to the way we should have been seen to by those people that would have been our protectors. And so knowing, I, I just want each person to know that they are incredibly worthy and they are incredibly worthy of healing and, and just have that hope in their lives. And as Kim was talking about taking up journaling or whatever it is that makes sense for you to start stepping into your your healing work or continuing on with your healing work, know that, you know, you deserve that next chapter. You deserve that healthy, happy, fulfilled life. You don't you don't need to be stuck any longer. Amen. Amen. Thank you for sharing that. And we look forward to connecting offline as well. But we got to, unfortunately, get off. I told you the time goes so fast. 90 minutes seems so long, but then um, we're out of time. So thank you again. We just appreciate and we're honored to have you on with, with us this evening. And um, as we like to, get to say, you I think you, yeah. And, and thanks, Philip, for coming on, Dr. Nancy being on as well and um, as we always say there's enough people out there adults to watch out for all children so if you see something please say something for children's safe good night everyone good night good night